I've stepped to this pulpit in the last 12 to 15 years, probably hundreds of times, but I don't ever remember the many mixed emotions and the tremendous burden that I feel tonight as I step to this pulpit. I look into the face of a crowd of young people that I love with my very heart. I look at the distance and I see the black cloud, the end time. I look overhead and I see the purpose of God. Time and circumstances has brought us together for one of what I feel to be one of the most important weeks of your entire life. And I don't want anybody to take it lightly. I feel very humbled to be a part. I feel very humbled to have even been invited to this such a special occasion, such a special week. But I do thank those that were so kind. But tonight, it's not because I'm here and it's not because you're here and it's not because anybody else is here. But the time on God's clock says that it's time for the purpose of the Holy Ghost to be accomplished. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen this week. Not because I'm here and not because any other body is here. But God says it's time for it to happen. And it's going to happen. Now I'll tell you what, we have seen some great times, we have seen some beautiful times, and it, it's, it's so exciting just to be a part of Louisiana Youth Camp. But tonight, I want to tell you from the very outset that my purpose and my feeling, my burden, is going to be that the Holy Ghost would not just move in among the masses and all of us be a part of a massive crowd that is waving, glorifying, magnifying, and worshiping. But I want the Holy Ghost spotlight of heaven to focus into this building and pick out and single out individuals and I want you in the presence of God to cease to become a part of a crowd. I want you to stand in this move of God as one individual, as though there were nobody here but you and God. I want God to do something to hearts. I want God to do something to minds. Amen. I want God to do something to experiences. I want God to do something to consecrations. I want God to move on the hearts of individuals that when you leave here, you could not be the same as you were when you came. I don't want it to be in times as it has been too many times in youth camps past for too many, not everybody, but too many. You came here and you were a part of a crowd and you got with a crowd and you hollered. But when you left here, you were empty and you were void and it wore off. It's too late for that to happen this time. It's got to be different this time. 
I want something to happen that will last an eternity in every one of our hearts. And I'm feeling that here tonight. I said I'm feeling that here tonight. And I hope you're feeling it. And we're going to have more time to have a little to have a little rap session and, and, and all of this. The hour grows late. And, and, and I, want us, I want us to get what the Holy Ghost has for us tonight. I want the Holy Ghost to move. But I want every individual in this building that's going to, you're going to tune your heart, first of all, to the Holy Ghost, to the will of God, whatever it would be for you to play and whatever role you are to have in this youth camp. I want you to tune your heart to the Holy Ghost and to the will of God for you and to join your hands and your hearts with the ministry that stands behind this pulpit, whether it's day or night. And I want to, I want to employ your help in my preaching. I can't preach without you and God. And I want you to help me. And everybody that will, I want you to just solemnly raise your right hand. I want you to look at me square in the eyeball and say, Brother Ewing, I promise. Brother Ewing, I promise. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now let's tell him we love him. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I want to be ready I want to be ready I want to be ready Oh, sing it Hell, I want to be ready Say, I the way you feel about it Oh! 
coming again And where he leads I will go with him When I hear him call my name Well, I want to be ready one thing in your mind as one goal I want to be ready when Jesus comes back hallelujah 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 oh my God what a move of the Holy Ghost I feel in this service what a move of the Holy Ghost I feel here tonight hallelujah 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 now look I hope I hope tonight that the Holy Ghost will move so strongly that you'll forget the clock. And the reason I say that is because those that are here visiting tonight, they're going to leave when they want to anyway. And the rest of us, we're here for the duration. And if we have church to midnight, they'll still serve us a hamburger when it's all over. Is that all right? Amen. Now look, we're going to try to have it before midnight. But I'm telling you, if the Holy Ghost just happens to get, you know. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I tell you what, uh, we'll we'll be singing more and, and, and all of this. But uh, there's a there's a young men's group here tonight, and uh, some of them are well, they're they're fellows from our church. Your attention tonight in the book of Ruth, the very first chapter. And I want to start reading at the nineteenth verse. It says, "So they too went until they came to Bethlehem." And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? I want to preach to you tonight for the next little while, simply from this thought, if you want to remember it by a particular title, Call Me Not Naomi. I want you to pray with me now and uh, 
And here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray a specific prayer. I want you to ask God to anoint the lips of his feeble servant. And then I want you to pray that God would anoint the ears of every hearer and that he would melt all of our hearts together in the presence of the Lord as we hear the word. Would you lift your hands now and I want everybody in the building please to pray. Everybody together. Father, in your holy name tonight, in your holy name tonight, in your holy name tonight. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you. And I pray that you would anoint the lips of your feeble servant tonight. We so desperately need your help. And I pray that you would anoint the ears of the hearer. Anoint every ear tonight in this building. And melt our hearts together in the presence of God. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 God, we're not just asking you to do something for us tonight. We're asking you to do something to us. And let it be something permanent that we'll never forget. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. As I minister to you tonight, I think perhaps those of you that are sensitive to the Spirit, and I trust that every heart in this building will be, I think that you already recognize that there have been those who have come to this pulpit already in this service that felt the same yearning, the same tugging, the same pulsation of the Holy Ghost that I have not been able to get away from for several days now concerning this first night of youth camp. I promise you that Every night service will be probably varied and there will be many different uh, songs, different styles of songs. There will be a lot of different styles of preaching and uh, I probably won't preach this particular style of sermon every night. But as Brother Tenney came to the platform a while ago or came to the podium and began to pour out the very yearning of his soul, it was a confirmation to me that what I had not been able to get away from or aloose from was perhaps the workings of the Holy Ghost. Now, I have, uh, I have somewhat, not totally, but I've somewhat gotten delivered from uh, what people were expecting of me when I stand in a pulpit. I've tried my best to work on that, to get loose from that. It can cause a great deal of pressure on us. And I realize that every one of you would probably have your idea and your feeling as to what style of message or what should be preached the first night of a camp. But I, I promise you that uh, 
perhaps in my own uh, preferred style of preaching that I might preach something else. But in the Holy Ghost, I feel that the message that I am feeling on my heart tonight, it must be preached. And I don't know whether you would call it a keynote. Perhaps that's not it at all. But if somehow in this message tonight, God could get through to our hearts, and if we could have a turning of attitude, a turning of heart, a deepening of desire, and a yearning that would come from way down on the inside of us, and, and a desire to just simply bear ourselves open before God, and be totally honest with God. That this night could probably trigger in the heart of more young people revival and consecration and a deepening of an experience with God that would carry you into a height and a depth with God that would cause you to be one of those that if the Lord should tarry, another 10, 11, or 20 years, you may be the one that stands where I'm standing tonight. I well remember that first youth camp that was talked about uh, earlier in the service. And as a 13-year-old boy, I sat where you sat only 24 or 25 years ago. And here I am tonight. If God's church continues and if God's church is what it is supposed to be and if God tarries for that church to do its work here in this world older folks are passing off the scene they are marching down the steps on the other side of the stage of activity younger people are coming on and if God's church has a tomorrow it's going to be on the shoulders of you that sit in the pews as young people tonight. Somewhere you have got to get a hold of this thing for real. Somewhere you have got to get a hold of it for what it really is. You cannot play games all of your life. You cannot play games with God all of your life. Amen. And young people, I employ you. I, I admonish you. I beg of you tonight. I'll get on my knees and beg you if you require that of me. I trust that just simply a hint to the wise would be sufficient. But I ask of you this week, feeling the importance of this week, feeling the momentum of the hour, feeling the purpose of God weighing so heavy and so heavy laden in this place tonight. I beg of you in the name of Jesus Christ to get a hold of this thing like it really is. Because this is real. This is not a game. This is not just an organization or just a society. This is not just another group of people. You happen to be sitting tonight among people who are blood washed, blood bought. Praise God. You happen to be sitting among people tonight that are the church of the living God, making them a part of the bride of Jesus Christ. And I ask you tonight, in this message that I feel so forced of the Holy Ghost, to preach to you. Not that it will be such a beautiful presentation, 
Not that it will be, not that it will be such a, such a well-organized delivery or homiletical outline. But I feel tonight that the, that the, that the overall gist, the central theme of what I feel in the Holy Ghost could perhaps best be depicted by the story that I am going to preach to you tonight. And I'll tell you before I start the story that I am going to talk to you about total honesty before God. Would you say that with me? Total honesty before God. Everybody say it again. Total honesty before God. I don't think that I'd have to stand here a long time to convince those of you who probably know more about cheating and more about dishonesty than I will ever know because you have gone to school with people that are so dishonest and, and all until you have probably been convinced that it is a way of life. And that's exactly where we are tonight. Most of society has been convinced that it's just a way of life. But I'm here to tell you tonight that in the world's game, Dishonesty may be a way of life, but I want you to hear me tonight, hear this preacher, that in God's program, dishonesty will not work. In God's program, dishonesty, cheating, hypocrisy, just simply will not cut it. In God's church and in God's kingdom, there is a requirement that you be totally honest with God to have the favor of God. And if there be the slightest shadow of cheating and dishonesty, it immediately requires the frown of God and it requires repentance. I want to talk to you tonight about one of the most beautiful stories that depicts honesty before God that I have ever seen in my life. And I have not, uh, I had not heard it uh, just exactly like, like it was revealed to me when the Holy Ghost began to deal with my heart. I think all of us that love truth and all of us that love honesty and all of us that love the ways of God and the things of God, it brings a sickening to our stomach. It, 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 it brings a, an ill feeling to our very makeup, our system, our hearts when we see the dishonesty that is ravaging our world tonight. And, and it's, uh, there, there's so many stories and things that could be told tonight. But you know, you know, you went to school with them. You heard them speak. You heard their games. You heard their mockery. And you heard them call those that stood for what was right and decent squares. You heard them laugh at those that were honest. You heard all of that. And you know more than I do tonight. The dishonesty and, and its impact upon society and the fact that it's gone rampant. You know better than I do. But I want to tell you tonight from this side of the fence that dishonesty in God's kingdom will not work. We live in the day of excuse making. We live in, we live in the day of, of covering up. We live in the day of trying to sweep it under the rug. We live in the day now of trying to, trying to talk your way out of it. We live in a day now of just simply trying to, trying to act in a hypocritical way that would cause others to think everything is all right 
when we know in our heart it's not all right. God hates a hypocrite. God hates a hypocrite. But God loves honesty. And he'll reward honesty even if it's to the hurt of the individual that was honest. And I feel tonight, and this is the reason that I feel the Holy Ghost has laid this message on my heart. I feel that if there is any one thing that is generally causing us to not have a free flow of the Holy Ghost that we should have in this hour, one of those things is that we are not quite honest enough with ourselves and with God. Now, I'm not talking about just lying and cheating and stealing and, uh, and two-timing and, and fornication and adultery. I'm not just talking about those things. I'm talking about being totally honest with ourselves and our walk with God. How we stand with God. How He feels about us and how we feel about Him. And how we feel about His Word and how we feel about a world that he loved enough to die for. Amen. Amen. The story starts out of a man and a woman. The man's name was Elimelech. The woman's name was Naomi. They had two boys. One of them was Malan. The other was Chilean. Something happened in Israel. We do not know exactly what it was. The scripture does not give us a detailed view of, of uh, what the situations were. We just simply know that, that there was a famine. God does not give us a, an insight as to what his thinking was. I am of the opinion that if, that if God had wanted there to have been bread in Israel, there would have been bread. But... There was, a, there was a reason for it. And I want to establish here in your mind tonight that God does have a reason for everything that comes your way. God may not have been the, the one who sent it, but even if he allowed it, there was a reason for it to come your way. One thing that you must learn to do is to roll with the punches. Accept life for what it hands to you and to learn to work with it. And as somebody has aptly said, if life hands you a lemon, put sugar and water with it and make lemonade out of it. It all depends on your attitude as to what you do and what turns out of the things that come your way. But there was a famine, and God evidently had a purpose, and God had a reason for allowing it to be there. He does not uh, go into detail to tell us what his reasoning was or what he was trying to get across to Israel, what he was trying to impart to them, a consecration that perhaps he was trying to pressure them into. He does not tell us. It just simply states that, that Israel was in a state of famine. But whatever the reasoning of God and whatever the purpose of God, whatever God had intended that his people learn, whatever pressure that must be applied for them to come to that place of total dedication and total consecration. Uh, Elimelech and Naomi, in their getting together and reasoning, 
they considered themselves to be exempt from whatever God had intended through that famine. Now, they just simply reasoned together and, and uh, they say, we will, we will not stand to see our boys with bloated bellies. We will not stand to see them go to bed at night hungry and tears staining their pillow as they cry themselves to sleep. We cannot stand to see those things. So we're going to, uh, we're going to pull out. We'll leave mom. We'll leave dad. We'll leave Israel. We'll leave the temple. We'll leave God. We'll leave the priest. We'll leave our worship. We'll leave it all right here. And we're exempt from the lesson that God wants to teach Israel. And so they depart into a sojourn into the land of Moab. Now, I want to, I want to share with you tonight that, uh, as I've said before, that God has a reason and a purpose for everything. The Scripture teaches us that nothing happens without a reason. Nothing happens without purpose. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a, has a reason. We cannot escape that. It's irrefutable. It's undeniable. But whatever that purpose was in the famine, Naomi and Elimelech considered themselves to be exempt and immune from having to learn the lesson. Now, I want to, I want to point out to you something that's, that's very important. If anybody could have lived through the famine, and which there must have been some that did because there was still an Israel. There was still somebody for Ruth and Naomi to come back to. And uh, that means that somebody lived through it. But if anybody lived through it, that means that Naomi and Elimelech could have lived through whatever hardship they had to endure or they had to suffer. They could have done it if they would have done it. They could have stood there and simply stuck it out like the rest of them did if they had just simply been a mind to. And everybody say amen. amen. But it's a, it's, a very, it's a very dangerous thing when the purpose of God is among men, when the purpose of God is dealing with a church, when the purpose of God is dealing with a family, or when the purpose of God is dealing with an individual for them to consider themselves immune from whatever lesson God has brought the circumstance by far. It's a very dangerous thing. And I want to I establish in your mind tonight that whatever God has arranged for us to go through, how could it be any worse than the results of a sojourn to Moab? There is no way that God's lesson could be any worse than what happens in the strange land called Moab. Well, they kiss goodbye, and they're on their way. They cross the border into the land of Moab, that, that, that place I've stood there in Boaz Field and looked across the way and saw the hills of Moab. Very beautiful, beautiful country. And I can imagine in my own mind the trails through the hills and finally they settle into the populated areas of Moab. They were hardly in the land of Moab. They hardly got their bellies full of food. They were hardly over the bloated stomachs and, and, and the starving condition 
when finally they settled down thinking everything was going to be great. Everything's going to be all right. We finally got out of that, that horror of famine and, and we, 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 we escaped now and, and we're going to have a good time for a while. Life is going to roll on now and we're just going to simply pray for those that are back under bondage. Those that are back under, under, under all of that depravity. Those that are, that are having to go through the rituals of it all. We're going to pray for them. We're going to have ourselves a good time. And just as they were adjusting to the fact that they were in Moab, where food was, where water was, where jobs were, and everything was going great, one day Elimelech woke up and there was a hurting in his stomach. There was a sickness that had gotten a hold of his body. And he began to ache and pain. And, and, and hardly before they had gotten adjusted to the good life in Moab, Elimelech pulled his feet up into the bed and drew his last breath and died. My God. We, how could it, how could this happen? Wringing her hands. And don't you ever doubt one minute. When she knew that her husband's breath was gone. And that her, his heart beat no more. The wheels of her conscience began to turn. And if the truth was known at that moment. She would have given everything in her power. If she could have been back where the temple was. Back where the people were. Back where the famine was going on. She would have given anything in her power. She would have given anything in the world. Anything she had ever hoped to get in Moab. If she could have just been hungry one more time with the people of God. But I've got to make the best out of it. I've got boys that... that, that they must not know that I'm troubled. They must not know that I'm confused. They must not know that, that I'm thinking in the back of my mind that, that maybe we did the wrong thing. Boys, dad's gone. But everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be good. We're going to make it. This is just the way life goes. I'm, I'm sorry that it happened us off over here in a strange land where we don't have a lot of friends. But uh, that's, that's life for you, boys. She evidently was a very strong woman. And so she wrapped her arms around them and she breathed life and strength back to them. And they walked on their way. It wasn't long those boys had taken to themselves Moabitish women. They were married and, and they had hardly gotten adjusted to being without dad when one day one of the daughter-in-laws came rushing over to the house. Mom, I don't know what's happened, but it's, it's a whole lot like you say about, about Paul. Things are not going good. He's nailing sick. Oh, no, surely not. In the back of her mind, the wheels began to turn. Do you suppose it could be? 
that because I didn't go back when I should have, do you reckon it's going to happen again? And hardly before she could get the thoughts, get adjusted to the fact, Malin himself drew his last breath. He pulled his feet up in the bed and died. on her don't tell me that the wheels of her conscience didn't turn don't tell me that she wouldn't have given everything she owned if she could have just once again had a hungry belly she'd have been glad to have been hungry if she could have just been back where the temple was but trying to trying to trying to just trying to make, just, just make it work. Make it do. Don't, don't think about the fact that you could be out of the will of God. Don't think about the fact that you could have done wrong. Don't think about the fact that you could have made a mistake. Get it out of your mind. You've got to go on and live. This is just the way life is. And so the conscience was smothered out. And human reasoning replaced conscience. And they kept going. They kept living. Surely, surely the law of average, I'll keep one out of three. And as long as I can have one, we'll, we'll go ahead and make it. Conscience had been settled down. Human reasoning had taken over. Everything was fine, adjusting again to life. When the ultimate blow came, the other girl came in. Mom, I hate to tell you this. It's happened twice before. But evidently, Chilean's got the same thing that... Before she could get repentance, before she could get back, her third man of the family had joined the father and the brother. He too. I'm preaching to you tonight a side of Naomi that you might not have heard before. About all that we've ever heard about Naomi was that God blessed her because she came back. And God honored her and, and all of this. And I want to affirm that before it's over. But I want you to know we are a lot kinder to her in our preaching about her than what she was to herself. She was a lot more honest about her own self than what we are when we preach about her. The third man of the family, the second boy, was buried leaving her with two daughter-in-laws from a strange land and herself away from the people of God, away from her kindred, away from her church. 
Finally, she sits down and she tells the, the girls, Now look, I don't know how to tell you this. You may stone me when it's, when it's over, but I've got to tell you the truth. The things that you have suffered, it's not your fault. But there's a story and there's a reason why you have become a part of tragedy. There was a famine in our homeland. And evidently God had a reason and a purpose for it. But we felt that the pressure of it all was too great. We felt that it was just too much to be asked of us. We felt that the cross was too hard to bear. We felt that it was impossible for us to ask our kids to have to go through something like that. We considered ourselves too good to go through it. And we came to this land. If we had been obedient to God, you would have never have found yourself in this tragedy. But I've got to, I've got to tell you, I don't know if I stay here how much longer that even I myself will live. But the quickest way back to God, the quickest way back to God is a little too slow at this moment. I can't go on hoodwinking myself. I can't go on in human reasoning. I can't go on lying to myself when I know the wheels of my conscience is telling me the truth. I've got to get back to my church. I've got to get back to my God. I've got to get back to my people. I've got to get there. Somehow through her honesty, somehow through her sincerity, somehow she felt so strongly and she was able to be convincing to those girls. And they said, Mom, whatever it is that's that strong, whatever it is that's that great, Whatever it is that dogs people steps into a strange land and won't let them go, we've got to go find out ourselves what it's all about. And so they both said, we will go with you. The story goes that she tried her best to convince them to stay with her, their own people. She said, there's no need for you to stay with me really because I'm too old to bear any more sons. And you could never have a replacement of the seed that, uh, that you were married to of my lineage. Why don't you just go ahead and stay here and, and find yourself a husband of your own people. Stay with your own family. Stay with your own people. And they both said, no, we'll, we'll go. We've got to go. We've got to go with you. And they followed her to the, to the border of the country. At the border of the country... She once again turns to them and says, Girls, really, really, there's no need for you to follow me. There's no need for you to go. Just, just go back. And if you will, forgive me for whatever I've done to cause the hurt in your lives. Don't follow me for the possibility of more hurt. Just, 
You go back and let me go. Just let me go. Forget that I ever lived. Forget that you ever knew me. I'll try to go back and pick up the broken pieces of my dreams. And I'll live out the rest of my life the best way I can. One of them, the Bible says, Orpah reached up and kissed her mother-in-law. And she waved goodbye and started back toward her people in Moab. But there was another one, and her name was Ruth. The Bible says, but Ruth clave unto her. Orpah kissed her, but Ruth clave. (laughs) Standing at the border of the country, she said, nay, 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 nay. Not so. For wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. Your people is going to be my people. And your God is going to be my God. And wherever you die, that's where I'm going to die. The next few scriptures in my thinking gives to you the reason why one of those girls felt the way she did about it all. For when Naomi... Evidently the people in the fields, the farmers, they looked up and saw a stranger coming from the land of Moab. I don't know how long it had been since she had left. I don't know how long or how much age and tragedy had taken its toll in her body. But there may may have been just a little familiar walk. There may have been just a little familiar touch or just a little familiar appearance. But they lifted up their eyes and saw the stranger coming and says, it looks like Naomi. But it can't be her. For when she left, there was a husband. And there was a boy. And there was another boy. Howbeit, we only see a stranger tagging along behind. But the closer she got, finally they they said, it's got to be. Nobody else would walk like that. Nobody else looks like that. It's got to be her. And they lifted their voice. Is this Naomi? And I say again, we are a lot kinder to her than what she was to herself. We're just an awful lot kinder than she was to herself. When they ask the question, is this not Naomi? She didn't reach for one excuse. She didn't reach for one human logic. She didn't reach for one crutch of human reasoning. She did not reach for one thing to justify herself. 
She did not reach for one excuse that would paint her the picture of something that she knew she wasn't. She had already been down that road before and now nothing is going to do any good but to come back and be totally honest before God and say, here I am just as I am without one plea. when they cried is this Naomi the next question would have definitely been but where's Elimelech where are the boys where are they what's happened before they could ask any more questions before she could even give human reasoning a chance to reach for a crutch to put her in a better light than what she knew honesty would have her painted she said call me not Naomi I'm not the woman that I was when I left and I'm not worthy for you to call me Naomi don't even, don't even call that name again she said, God hath testified against me. And what else can I say? If you would, just call me Mara or Mara. She said, because I went out full. And I've come back empty. God has testified against me and what can I say that would change the picture that God has painted but when I talk to you about dishonesty I'm talking to you about the trait that runs rampant among us and you hear me young people as I preach to you tonight the idea that runs rampant among us is that when something happens, we'll reach for every human logic that we can get a hold of. If that would have been some of us come back across that border and we had lost everything when we had said it from the beginning, it's the will of God that I go. When we came back empty, we'd have given every excuse under the sun and we'd have done everything in our power to have tried to have painted us something that we really were not. We'd have said, I had good intentions when I left. I felt that it was God that I go. And... Uh, but what you don't understand is that we think it's bad here. But there's a lot more devils to fight out there than what we really thought there were. There's, uh, you know, I mean, it, you, you just can't imagine. Those of you that stayed here, I want you to know you're blessed that you stayed here. You really are. But uh, they, they're, there's devil because there's devils out there that you didn't even know existed. And I want you to know I looked back a few years ago and I, 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 I was amazed and I was thrilled at the testimonies of young men and young ladies that had gone out.
and they came back. I was thrilled at every one of their testimonies. But I want you to know, friend, in the story of Ruth and Naomi, I do not believe that the end justified the means. And you may sit here tonight and say if it were not for Naomi, go into Moab that had never been a Ruth in the word of God and you justify Naomi missing the will of God because of Ruth I'm telling you tonight that Ruth if God had not honored the honesty of Naomi Ruth would have never been listed anyway I don't think Naomi went to Moab to get Ruth But God allowed Ruth to come back from Moab to reward Naomi for her honesty in coming home before God. Reach for an excuse. Reach for a reason. Reach for human logic. Come on, Naomi. You don't have to be painted mud. You don't have to be painted dishonest. You don't have to be painted that. But the thing that was so beautiful about Naomi is that when she finally Whatever the situation was that had to bring her to that total openness and laying bare before God when she woke up to what had happened and she headed home, she didn't come with human logic and reasoning to paint herself honest and in the will of God when she knew she was not in the will of God. Total honesty before God. You can help yourself, Naomi, if you'll, just, if you'll just say this, if you'll just say that, if you'll just say the other, if you'll just, if you'll just, if you'll just do this, if you'll just do that, everything will be all right and nobody will ever know that you made a mistake. But there was something in here. She knew that she had missed it and she didn't want anybody. She didn't want anybody to testify against her God. She was the one at fault. She didn't want anybody to think less of God or to think that God was harsh or that God was too strong in his judgment. I'm the one. I made the mistake. It's me. It's not anybody else. It's me. And how many times would she have given everything she had if she could have gotten back to the place where the starving bellies were bloated and where there was nothing but tears and weeping and sobbing. She had it anyway. And she was alone, away from home. I'm preaching to somebody in this building tonight. I'm preaching to some young people in this building tonight. One of the things that has kept you away from God 
one of the things that's kept you away from an anointing of the Holy Ghost is because you have never been able to take the blame for your own lack of consecration. You have never been able to shoulder the blame for your own lack of spirituality. You have never been able to share your own blame. You've never been able to shoulder it and say, I'm the reason. You've put the blame on your pastor. You've put the blame on your church. You've put the blame on your mother. You've put the blame on your daddy. You've put the blame on the Sunday school teacher. You've put the blame on the other young people. You have put the blame on everybody else by your human logic and your human reasoning. And you painted yourself good and honest while everybody else was dirt. And that's one of the reasons that you're not spiritual tonight. When God would like to use you. God would like to put an anointing on you. God would like to put a preaching ability on you. God would like to put a talent in you. God would like to put a work on you. He'd love to do something for you. But your dishonesty holds you away from God. Don't you know that that little conscience that turns over in the back of your mind that long after you have you've quit moving and you've quit jerking and you should have been asleep a long time ago but yet that conscience and that wheel it keeps a turning because you know that if you had it in your heart to live for God they there wasn't nobody in the world that could keep you from it. If you didn't even have a pastor, if you wanted to live for God, you could still live for God. If you didn't have any more young people, you could still live for God if you wanted to. And that conscience on the inside that turns, that conscience that turns when everybody else is asleep and you know that you've laid the blame on everybody else when you're the one. That really ought to be shouldering the blame. My pastor just don't preach it like he ought to. My pastor is just too old fogey. My church is just too dead. And it's too dry. And you have allowed yourself to feel immune from whatever the lesson. Whatever God wanted to do with you. It may have been that God would want it to have sparked a revival in you that would set the whole thing on fire if you'd have been honest with God and honest with yourself and not tried to shut the blame on somebody else. But instead of becoming the answer to the problem, you joined the problem. And become a part of it. There's some of you here tonight. You're not where you need to be in God. And you know you're not where you need to be in God. And you've laid the blame on your school. You've laid the blame on the pressure. From your peers in the school. You've said it's just too much. I just can't stand it. And you have laid the blame on somebody else because you're not totally honest with God. But I'm preaching to you tonight 
There's nothing for you to do but come to yourself in the land of Moab. Out beyond the reach of God's anointing. Out beyond the reach of God's hand that wants to use you. Out beyond the place where you could sing in a church service and bless the cause of God. Out in Moab to where you can't testify the way God would want you to and tear the service bottom side upwards. You know what I'm talking about and young people have the ability to do it. But you have laid the blame for not doing it on everybody else except yourself. But I'm wanting some Naomi's tonight. I'm wanting some Naomi's. To stagger back toward Bethlehem. The dark clouds are settling. They're settling. God, we need dark clouds. Wars. Rumors of wars. The Antichrist. 666 everything you can imagine it's there I'm headed toward Bethlehem God I'm coming home I'm coming home I'm not going to make excuses when I get back I'm not going to say preacher I testified to a lot of people when I was going to the ball games I testified to a lot of people when I partook of sports I, I, I took, I testified to a lot of people when I did this and when I did that and when I did the other. I believe it was the will of God that I go out there. No, I'm telling you tonight, it wasn't the will of God that you go out there. I don't care what kind of testimony you had. The end does not justify the means. You would have been a greater testimony if you would have had the Holy Ghost on fire for God, anointed of God, and doing the will of God. But I'll tell you what, if you will be open and honest before God, if you'll paint yourself the way you're really supposed to be painted, if you'll say, call me not Naomi, I'm not worthy of that. I'll tell you what God will do. God will see to it. That out of the broken pieces of your dreams, out of the crushed ruins of a past life that has wasted years in it, that hasn't been used of God, if you'll be honest and open before God, He'll take an offering out of the broken pieces of your dream. And if you won't worry about painting yourself, God will take care of that for you. When Ruth was honest before God, or Naomi was honest before God, out of the broken pieces and the rubbles of her life, He allowed there to be a Ruth that justified and set the story straight. If Ruth had continued, or Naomi had continued to have been dishonest, Ruth could have turned back just 
like Orpah. And you'd have never heard the name of Ruth. There'd have never been a book called the book of Ruth in the Bible. But the reason it's there. Hear me tonight. There's others that they had the same kind of lives. They had the same kind of experiences. You don't find anywhere where Demas ever brought anybody to God and a book was named after them, do you? Because Demas kept going. You don't find where some of the other characters had a book and an example and a star. No, because they kept going. They were dishonest. But Naomi came to herself. And because she was honest, God took the offering out of her broken rubble. And he said, I'm going to justify her. And I'm going to set the record straight. And I'll put Ruth in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I'm preaching to you tonight and I want you to hear me. There's young people here tonight that's 17 and 18 and 19 and 20. You should already be doing great things for God. I'm not taking away from those of you that are. I'm just saying there's others of you that are not that should be. And there's some of you that are 15 and 16 and 17 and some 14. You ought to have an anointing on your life already and being used of the Holy Ghost. My God, the end time is it's here. It's on us. The rapture is about to take place and God's using everything that will make itself available to Him. But some of you that should, you're not. I wonder tonight, would you just simply say, God, I've used a lot of things as an excuse why I'm not consecrated like I should be. I've used a lot of things as an excuse. I blame my daddy. I blame my mom. I blame my pastor. I blame my Sunday school teacher. I blame the other young people. I blamed a lot of people. But God, I'm stripping all of those human reasons. I'm throwing all of those crutches down. I'm, I'm putting it all down, God. I'm not going to use that no more. I'm just simply going to be honest before you. And I'm going to say, God, it's simply because I haven't been willing to pay the price. It's because I haven't been willing to consecrate my life to you. And I'm not going to be dishonest with myself and dishonest with you anymore. I'm going to make a consecration the first night of this youth camp. And I'm going to have in my life the operation of the Holy Ghost. And it's not going to start when I get home. It's not going to start next year. It's not going to start when I get 21. It's going to start this week in this youth camp. I'm going to be used of God. I'm going to be used of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be something happen to young people in this building tonight. 
And you sit there and you don't believe it if you want to. I feel in the Holy Ghost. There's going to be something happen in the lives of some young people here tonight. There's been something. There's been a hang up. And you haven't been anointed. And you didn't know the reason for it. I'm telling you tonight the reason for it is. You have not stripped yourself bare before God. And been totally honest with him. But tonight God. I don't care what they say. When I get home, they may open their eyes and they may guard their eyes from the sun and they may look and say, is this really Kathy? Is this really Judy? Is that really Bill? Huh? It, it walks like him, but it don't act like him. Is, is this really James? I can't believe it. And you're going to say, Pastor, church, I blame my lack of consecration on a lot of things. But those days are over. It was my fault because I wasn't spiritual. It was my fault because I didn't pray. It was my fault because I didn't fast. You're going to see a different me. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be used of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to talk in tongues. I'm going to dance. And I'm going to shout. And I'm going to be honest before God. There one of them starts right there. He cut all about Shanda by Yatalabaha. Something's going to happen to some kids in this youth camp. You sit there and watch it happen to others if you want to. But I promise you, it can happen to you. It can happen to you. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's going to be a revival born in some hearts. There's going to be an anointing born in some young people. That eternity will only give the worth of it. You that are standing, I don't want you to even look around. But you that are sitting, I want you to just look the outer edge. Hear me tonight. Everybody will never go to the mountaintop. 
Everybody will never get airborne. Everybody will never have that warm, soothing, anointing all of the Holy Ghost to change your life into a raging tyrant for the name of Jesus. Everybody will never break into the dimension of a fool for Christ's sake. Everybody, it just simply isn't men, I guess, that everybody have that. But there's some young people in this youth camp tonight. You want to be used of God more than you want anything else in the world. You want to be a testimony. You want to have a message. You want to be used of God. And it doesn't matter to you how it is. You want to be used of God. And I promise you, you're going to get it. 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 You're just as sure to get it when you want it. And you're honest and admit your mistake. And admit your shortcoming before God. You're just as destined to get it as a Martin is to his gourd. You're just as sure as you can be. I wish tonight that I could take these that are standing and then some of you that are sitting and just in a moment's time take you out of the congregation and bring you up here and show you to this congregation 20 years from now. I just wish that I could. I wish I could paint a picture of you 20 years from now. Some of you would have ties on. You'd have coats on. And you'd have Bibles under your arm. Some of you would be standing in pulpits. Some of you would be sitting at pianos. Some of you would be at the pulpit singing. Some of you would be Sunday school teachers. Some of you would be pastors. Some of you would be on foreign soil. I wish I could show you this congregation 20 years from now. But the thing about it, it don't wait 20 years to happen. It starts tonight. 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 I want everybody in this congregation that would like to have an anointing happen to you in this youth camp that would propel you to the top of the mountain that would put you in the kingdom of God a fiery evangel for the name's sake. I want you to stand to your feet if you're not already standing. I want you to lift your hands. My God, let's pray. Let's ask God. Jesus. 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 I wondered how it was going to happen. 
I wondered if we could catch up by not having a Sunday night service. But I'm feeling the purpose of the Holy Ghost. It's catching up the slack on this first Monday night. God is doing a work in the hearts of some kids that want to be used of God. Let it happen, let it happen, let it happen. Let it happen, let it happen, let it happen. Listen to me just a moment. Listen to me just a moment. For too long, that old godly mother of yours has seen that far away look in your eye. And she'd reach out to you and touch you on the shoulder and say, darling, is everything all right? And you'd look her square in the eye. And you'd lie to her and you'd say, yes, mom, everything's all right when you knew in your heart it wasn't all right. You went to church and you slapped your hands and you went through the little motions and the little calisthenics when you knew your heart was far from what you were doing. You have made a front before the preacher and you've tried to make everybody think everything was all right when you knew in your own heart that you weren't what you were supposed to be. You were dishonest and you know you were. I'm not talking to everybody, but you know who I'm talking to tonight. Those of you that know, you know who I'm preaching to. And you know if I'm talking to you. Listen to me just a moment. We're fixing to all come to this altar. And we're going to pray. And we're going to lay hands on one another. And we're going to talk in tongues and we're going to let God. But I want to talk to that one tonight that's here. You haven't allowed yourself to be affected yet. But I want to tell you. If you can't bring your place to a place, yourself to a place of honesty. God's able to help you. God's able to help you. One of my preacher friends pastors a church in Texas. 
His dad pastored a church in Houston for a number of years, and I heard Brother Jimmy tell it myself. The story was of one of the young ladies in his dad's church back when he himself was just, Brother Jimmy was just a, just a young man in the church. The story was of this young lady, they were in a revival. The Holy Ghost had moved one night in such a beautiful way. In fact, God had been dealing with this young lady to make a consecration.